Hello, my name is Father Edward Looney, and you're listening to the podcast How They Love Mary, a weekly podcast that will either be the beginning or the deepening of your Marian devotion. Let us pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Queen of Heaven, rejoice, Alleluia, for he whom you did merit to bear, Alleluia, has risen as he said, Alleluia. Pray for us to God, Alleluia. Rejoice and be glad, O Virgin Mary, Alleluia, for the Lord has truly risen, Alleluia. Let us pray. O God, who gave joy to the world through the resurrection of thy Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, grant, we beseech thee, that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary, his mother, we may obtain the joys of everlasting life. Through the same Christ, our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. A blessed Easter to all of our listeners, especially as we just celebrated Easter Sunday, and our joy of the resurrection continues for 50 days until we celebrate the Feast of Pentecost. During this Easter season, we no longer pray the Angelus, but we pray the Regina Chaley, that prayer which opened our show today. There's a lot to talk to, especially about the Blessed Virgin Mary in trending Marian tweets and topics. Let's have a look. Holy Week began on a very somber note as news spread throughout the world that the Cathedral of Notre Dame in Paris was on fire. Many people tuned in to see the devastating fire that ravaged that church, but yet stories of miracles came out afterwards, with the priest rescuing the treasures of the cathedral including the Blessed Sacrament and the Relic of the Crown of Thorns. Young people in the streets of Paris began to sing hymns to the Blessed Mother, seeking her intercession. Many people on Twitter had something to share about Notre Dame. Some people shared their own experiences of visiting the cathedral. The Daughters of St. Paul tweeted, May Our Lady be near us. Other people called upon Our Lady's intercession, especially under the title Our Lady of Paris, the Miraculous Medal, and Our Lady of Lourdes. Dr. Pecknold from Catholic University of America commented that we are weeping with Our Lady. Father David Palmer tweeted, May Our Lady protect France and all Christians. Merciful Mother, we commend your son's church to your motherly protection. Riley on Twitter tweeted, I used to hate praying the rosary and was very reluctant to it. I've been trying to grow closer to Mary, but over the years I've been Catholic, but still never loved it. But today I prayed the rosary while heartbroken, and it was so comforting, and I just feel so lucky to be Catholic. The prayer of the rosary in a time of tragedy can unite believers, especially as they joined on the streets as they prayed from the privacy of their own home to seek the intercession of Our Lady. Jane Sloan Peters tweeted that someone at Dappled Things 1 just compared Notre Dame with the patristic vision of Mary as the burning bush that was not consumed by fire, and this is the best take. I have canceled all other takes. That typology of the Eastern Church Fathers seems very apropos on this occasion. I authored a piece for Catholic Digest on the tragedy of the Notre Dame fire. I sought to look at it with the eyes of faith. One of the lessons that I thought Mary was teaching us was to treasure the memories of all of our visits to Notre Dame in Paris, that there are so many people who have been there, who were moved by it, who were touched by it, with its devastation now and the fact that it will be rebuilt, but it'll be a few years from now. That has us treasuring those memories. We have to relive through the photographs that we have taken. We'll have to revisit it in our own mind and in our own heart. And so that is praying as the Blessed Mother prayed. Tommy Tai offered two Marian tweets that I'd like to feature. He said in his first one, I'm thinking it's about time for a resurgence of devotion to the Holy Spirit within the church. You down? Veni Sancte Spiritus, Veni per Mariam. Mary was the recipient of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came upon her at the Annunciation. She was present in the upper room. Through the intercession of Mary, then this renewal of the church 
and the power of the Holy Spirit will come through the intercession of Mary. This Easter season is 50 days long. We go from Easter Sunday to Pentecost, which is 50 days. And in that, we can seek the intercession of Mary to ask her to obtain from her son the grace of sending the Holy Spirit anew into the hearts of all the faithful. There's a common prayer of intercession to the Blessed Virgin. Come, Holy Spirit, come by the powerful means of the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary, your well-beloved spouse. Through Mary's intercession, may the Church experience great renewal at the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Tommy Tai also had a very beautiful tweet. This is what he said. As a bereaved parent, I cling to Holy Week, the powerful reminder that God did not spare his only son, the comforting knowledge that the Blessed Virgin Mary knows the crushing pain of loss, the incredible truth that through pain and suffering we are saved. I need to be reminded. If you don't follow Tommy Tai, do yourself a favor and give him a follow. You'll enjoy his tweets. As I've followed him now for a few years, one of the things that has struck me is his devotion to Our Lady of Sorrows through the Seven Sorrows Rosary. I think that as he offers this tweet, the comforting knowledge that the Blessed Virgin knows the crushing pain of loss, as he himself has experienced loss in his own life, well, he's able to identify with the Blessed Virgin Mary. And so that devotion really has informed his own outlook, his own perspective on different things, on our different liturgical seasons and observances. We see there a very beautiful depth of spirituality. On the second episode of How They Love Mary, I had Sister Bethany on, and Sister Bethany recently offered her thread on Our Lady of Sorrows, which I first referenced that she said she was going to do, and I encourage you to go find it on her Twitter feed to read her own reflections. They're too numerous to recount here, but I think it's really worth your value to see another person reflecting on the Blessed Virgin Mary at great lengths. She offers the disclaimer, I'm not a Mariologist, I'm not a Marian theologian, but if you listen to the Big Tree podcast, I had a chance to listen to Sister Bethany's episode last week, and she recounted her community, how they do a daily holy hour, a visit to the Blessed Sacrament. And so for her, from the depths of her own prayer, being able to offer those insights to all of us. Sean Patrick, who on Twitter is at Sean P. Friel, F-R-I-E-L, offered two tweets about the resurrection and the Blessed Virgin Mary. In the first, he tweeted two images. He says this, There's something profoundly beautiful about the risen Christ visiting his Blessed Mother after his resurrection. He tweeted two images, one dating to 1475 and the other to 1629. In another tweet, he goes on to say, This account believes and respects that Christ visited his own mother first after his resurrection, even though it's not explicitly mentioned in the Gospels. Like, how could he not have, though? You would think this would be proper. This is a, a topic of great debate and speculation. Of course, it's not in the Gospels. The Gospels records Mary Magdalene as the first witness of the resurrection. But if you read some of these biographies of Mary, one of them, the most ancient, comes from Maximus the Confessor, who's the attributed author. It's called The Life of the Virgin. Dr. Stephen Shoemaker translated the Georgian manuscript into English, and in the section on the resurrection, it has Mary waiting by the tomb, that she becomes the first witness, that Jesus appears to her, that she was inseparable from the tomb of Jesus. Even Maximus says why it is that the Gospels record Mary Magdalene as the first witness of the resurrection. Who would believe it if the mother of the son of the one who rose from the dead attested to the fact that he had indeed appeared to her? And so Mary Magdalene becomes the recorded witness of the resurrection. Maria of Agreda and Blessed Anne Catherine Emmerich both have appearances of Jesus to his blessed mother. Those who would argue that Mary did not receive an apparition of Jesus would say that, well, she didn't need that affirmation of faith. She already believed in her heart. John Paul II, though, in one of his audiences, really suggested the fact that Mary would have received an apparition of the Christ and said that, well, the reason it's probably not recorded in sacred scripture is because it's not necessary for our salvation. St. Ignatius of Loyola, in the Spiritual Exercises, encourages 
the retreatant to reflect on Jesus appearing to his blessed mother. It's been in our tradition for a long time. Even the fact that he tweets these images that are from the 1400s, from the 1600s, is evidence that this has been something that has long been believed. I'm with you, Sean Patrick. I'm a person who also respects the fact that the Blessed Mother did receive a visit from Christ after the resurrection. These have been the trending Marian tweets and topics that I came across this past week. Now let's listen to some music from Anna Nuzzo, and then we'll hear from our guest, Susan Tassoni, as we talk about the Divine Mercy devotion, and especially Our Lady's role in the Divine Mercy. Stay tuned. Easter is called Divine Mercy Sunday. It was a feast day requested by Jesus in some private revelations received by a Polish nun named St. Faustina. Author Susan Tassoni has written a few books now on St. Faustina, including a prayer book for conversion, a prayer book on adoration, and her recent book is Day by Day with St. Faustina, 365 Reflections. Susan Tassoni has often been known by people as the Purgatory Lady, promoting devotion to the holy souls in purgatory, but now she likes to take on the nickname St. Faustina's Secretary for all the different work she's done with St. Faustina. 
In anticipation of the Feast of Divine Mercy, I thought it would be wonderful for us to sit down and talk with Susan Tassoni about her latest Day by Day with St. Faustina. Welcome to How They Love Mary, Susan. Father Looney, it's always a pleasure to chat with you. We've done a couple of shows on um, uh, Morning Glory as your godly counsel, and and I, I think you're very good at the godly counsel, and great to see that you're doing podcasting now because you could have a longer godly counsel um, segment. Well, thanks for the kind words about uh, that, that past work. And yeah, it kind of opened up the door to do this podcast, How They Love Mary, and really to help all the people out there to develop a Marian devotion, to either begin it or to deepen it, to see how other people, such as yourself, other Catholic personalities, how they have a devotion to the Blessed Mother. So as you've been on a roll writing about St. Faustina, what inspired you to do this day-by-day with St. Faustina book? Good question, Father. Um, actually, um, it seemed to be like a perfect segue after I'd done the trilogy books, as you mentioned. Uh, I noticed that when I was writing books on purgatory, that after I compiled um, worked on, you know, a, a, I don't know about, at that point, about nine books on purgatory, it just came to me that I should, you know, do something that everybody can look at in different ways that would help them. If people like, uh, so I did a day by day for the souls in purgatory, meaning if people like, to, if they, if learning stories about the souls in purgatory helps somebody better, people learn in different ways. So, so we have stories. If people wanted to lo- learn about the encyclicals that were written, you know, they have to do with praying for the dead, John Paul, Benedict, what they said at purgatory, all the great popes. We had that um, in there. So we had different uh, ways to help somebody learn about purgatory that they were most comfortable with. So it seemed like a perfect, um, uh, you know, uh, ending to having to do those works. And, and Faustina, it seemed like it was the same trend, Father. I finished work, and then, then I find that the Daughters of St. Paul told me that people come in the store and say they read the diary and they didn't know how to how to apply it. And I was really shocked that, you know, I thought about that myself, and I thought, I did the same thing. I went through the diary, you probably did too, and I just marked up things that jumped out at me, but I, I, you know, really struggled to go page by page. And then, actually, the people at the Divine Mercy Shrine said to me that people call in and ask for a day-by-day book, and they, she was really unsure that I was going to do it, because so many people, or she probably heard people saying they were going to try to do it or didn't. But I was going to do it. I had signed a contract, and I had every intent on it. And then, of course, you had shared with me um, that, and you actually shared in in my book as as your wonderful endorsement that you were a little intimidated, just like the rest of the world, by the depth of it. It's seven. It's it's very rich, and the length of it is very long, over seven hundred pages. Uh, and and then another couple said that they heard the um, diary. They listened to the diary on CD in their car, um, and they, she said, I remember her words saying, you know, it's very nice to listen to. And then after that, she says, but I don't know what to do. Now, she didn't know these responses I had, you know, gotten beforehand. And so, you know, that really confirmed this, I must do this. Um, I felt called to do it. So I'm happy to say it's a comprehensive introduction to her writing, and it's a solid answer for those asking how to apply her teaching an example in life. So day by day with St. Faustina walks you through her diary. It shows you how to apply the fundamentals of life. You know, you don't have to be a Christian and know the fundamentals of life. You know, you know, be a good neighbor, be charitable, be loving, be merciful. Now, there's no, you know, religion. I mean, all religions choose that, I would say. But if you've read the diary, this will help you apply it. If you haven't read the diary, it'll help you walk through it. And it'll help you understand the essential elements of divine mercy, which is first, that was our big, that was our first mission was the promotion of divine mercy, sharing, you know, God's love and mercy, his greatest attributes are love and mercy. And so it takes you through that, the, the, the works of mercy, the image, the feast day, the chaplet and novena. And then, Father, I discovered there were additional themes that actually unlocked the secret to sanctity. And these themes were this. Holy Communion, Confession, Adoration, Praying for the Dying, Doing God's Will, and the Love God Has for that, for us. 
And so these key themes that unlock the sanctity, uh, the, the secret to sanctity, I put them in an organized fashion and wove them throughout the book. So now you'll see those in a very, um, it's, it's, it's not, you're going to, they're not going to jump out at you. They're very subtle. So you, you, it's not going to be repetition, but um, we have incredible, as, as um, Father um, Joe Roche, the Vicar General of uh, the Marian said, eye-opening and very contemporary analogies uh, to help you apply her teachings. What is really nice about the book Day by Day with St. Faustina that you've written is, first of all, the size. It's a very nice, compact book. I imagine maybe some women, like Catherine Jean Lopez, she's always she's always posting on social media about the things she finds in her purse. I think that this could fit in somebody's purse. They could take it along to daily mass, have it at the Adoration Chapel, but you could also keep it on your dining room table, on your kitchen table, open it up when you have your morning cup of coffee. The reflections are very short. So you have a, a quote from the diary. You have a reflection, kind of the application to our lives, and then a little prayer. And so that's the nice thing about daily books is you read them maybe in the morning, and then you're able to chew on them throughout the day, maybe hearkening back, reminding yourself of what it was that you talked about or what you read in the in the morning from the little book. And so it kind of stays with you all day long. I, well, I was as you were saying that, Father. Excuse me. Um, people have already been sharing with me that they, um, in fact, somebody did a review of the book and said that what stuck with them were the titles. You know, we have some very um, uh, creative titles uh, that we literally just took out from her own words, and and she they commented that how much the the reflections and the titles of the of the of the passages we, we took from uh, stayed with them. And so I'm excited about that because that's what you want. You want something to stay with you throughout the day, you know, and I just wanted to add just for those people that, you know, it, it, that could follow off. What advice do you have someone who struggles with reading it daily, day by day? Well, just so you know, it's not meant to be, it doesn't have to be day by day. Um, it really means you can open the book and read something in a bite-sized piece that, you know, some people like a, a day-by-day dose of her wisdom. Others like, others like more than that. And um, I've heard that, you know, somebody at EW Chan told me they, they read the whole book in a couple of days. They just couldn't put it down. So, you know what, it's, it, for those people, you can pick up the book and open to any page if you want. You can choose a certain time of the year because it's done liturgically. Um, or you could sit and read as, you know, as a, as a, as a regular book. You know, use the book however you like, you know, as a devotional or or by the liturgical season. Just pick it up and read it as the Spirit leads, because that's what's so good about the book, Father. Faustina's words and our reflections are not measured by days. You talked about the creative titles, and when I was looking through the book, and of course I had an advanced copy of it, looking at it before to offer an endorsement, but one of them really caught my eye. Counting on the shepherd, not counting the sheep. This is what St. Faustina says. And it's October 24th in the book. Now that I have difficulty sleeping at night because my suffering won't allow it, I visit all the churches and chapels, and if only for a brief moment, I make an act of adoration before the Blessed Sacrament. So really, your connection there is she is visiting the shepherd. So she's not counting the sheep, but she's visiting the shepherd and I think St. Faustina, <laughs> yes. she she talks about this, that sometimes she would send her guardian angel to visit the, the chapels throughout the world. And I know it's inspired me, in fact, when I travel sometimes, if I can't go to a, a shrine that I want to go to, like in Rue de Bac when I was in Paris the last time, I said, well, I send my guardian angel there with my intention. But she was visiting in her mind all these different churches and adoring the Blessed Sacrament, allowing that sleeplessness that she experienced to become a type of prayer for her. So I thought that was a very uh, catchy title, and, and lots of them are that you have, and they they capture the essence of what we should take away from it. Well said, Father. Um, when you share those things with me, and um, when I was on EWTN, it, it, it just, it really, uh, it, 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 as an author, I'm very excited because um, the message got across, and the reader is picking up on what I was trying to relay, and uh, and you just confirmed it. So I'm just so glad. Um, yeah, we tried to make it creative. We tried to make it contemporary for our times. Uh, 
There is one in there, Father, if I could share with you. Please. Um, and I, I did a show, and the, the, the host was a lawyer. And he just loved his favorite passage was, it's on May 29th, God is fluent in silence. And uh, she says this, silence is so powerful a language that it reaches the throne of the living God. Silence is his language, though secret, yet lived and powerful, yet living and powerful. And this is our reflection. One of the many good things about personal private prayer is it's never sacrilegious to say, God, I just can't find the words. We don't have to. He's fluent in silence. There is a beauty about silence, and I'm so happy that St. Faustina teaches about that, that you reference that on that reflection, because in our own lives today, we fill it with so much noise, with our cell phones, with technology, social media. Even in prayer, when we go and we pray, we do a lot of talking, but silence is a type of prayer, and so that really brings it out, that the language of prayer sometimes is silence. Even Cardinal Sarah, he wrote that beautiful book, The Power of Silence, helping our contemporary world to reclaim the value of silence in our lives. Absolutely, Father. In fact, in the diary, Jesus said that we need to be silent in order to hear his voice. Uh, and he said instead of talking, he told her to say um, uh, special prayers for the souls in purgatory, like the eternal rest prayer. Um, and he also, Faustina also said that we can really kill with the tongue, she said, that our words can, can destroy and that we really have to be aware that, that every word that we say is going to be, you know, um, you know, what's the word judged? We're going to be judged by every word we say. And she said that we have to pay attention and ask and pray before we begin a conversation. So your soul and the soul you're speaking to will be able to, you know, gain grace in, from, from that conversation. Definitely. A person that knew silence, of course, was Mary. And one of the things that you do in this book is you do arrange it thematically. So during Lent, you have a focus on Lent. During the Easter season, the focus on Christ risen and, and divine mercy itself. November, you focus on the holy souls in purgatory a little bit. And May, of course, the month of Mary, there's a lot of focus on Mary during that month. For example, on May 1st, you share a little bit about St. Faustina writing, Today I felt the nearness of my mother, my heavenly mother, although before every Holy Communion, I earnestly asked the Mother of God to help me prepare my soul for the coming of her Son. There's a, another thing that uh, you draw out about Mary uh, from St. Faustina, and it's calling Mary her instructress. She says, Mary is my instructress who is ever teaching me how to live for God. My spirit brightens up in your gentleness and your humility. So when I think of Mary as an instructress, of course, we call her a teacher. She can teach us how to pray. She teaches us how to give ourselves completely to God, how to do God's will, saying, you know, I'm the servant of the Lord. Be it done to me according to your word. I guess in your own life and all that you've done, have you ever sensed Mary teaching you something throughout your life? Oh, my gosh. My whole life has been has been guided by her father. My mother um, was uh, head of the Alton Rosary Society. Uh, we had the Pilgrim Virgin in our home. We had holy reminders everywhere. The, the Last Supper was a standard, uh, you know, uh, uh, plaque, you know, in, in our hallway. Um, there were, uh, the Bible was, was laid out. Uh, rosaries were there. They were all silent reminders, uh, and, and so she planted the seed in our young hearts, there were seven of us, to have a devotion to Our Lady, and that has never left me. In fact, I passed that devotion on to my nieces and nephews and my cousins, and when they were little, they're older now, I would say, don't let go of her hand, and, that, and I would show them the rosary, and I taught them to say three Hail Marys, because it's hard to start with a whole rosary, it's like putting a first grader you know, giving them a chemistry course. Uh, so you start small, and, and now they're in their 20s, and when things come up, what kicks in is the three Hail Marys, not letting go of her hand. And Faustina understood that to love Jesus, we have to have a sincere love of his mother. And our, our Lord instructed Faustina to pray with all her heart in union with Mary. And she, she wrote, Faustina wrote that, the, the more I imitate the mother of God, the more deeply I get to know God. So the Blessed Virgin is 
uh, Father is the mediator and intercessor for God's people. Her patience and her sweetness and her motherly pity extend toward the holy souls in purgatory as well as you know, through us and us also, the, the church suffering. Um, and, you know, through her, I receive comfort, the souls receive comfort and consolation. And, you know, as you said, she cooperated in God's plan through her yes. And Faustina understood that it's impossible for one to please God without obeying his holy will. So we need to stay close to the Blessed Mother to fulfill the will of God. Um, She's not only the mother of mercy, but she obtains uh, for us, you know, the highest, well, she's, um, she she also you know asks God she intercedes for us for, for God's mercy and God grants to, to people graces through her. Now there's three virtues, uh, Father, that um, are very dear to Our Lady and Faustina, as you mentioned, she was a big source of strength in her life through her trials, through her what sufferings, her purifications, and. She instructed her, as you said, but she instructed her on her most distinctive virtues, which is in the book. You're going to find them. And she said this, I desire, my dearly beloved daughter, that you practice the three virtues that are dearest to me and most pleasing to God. The first is humility, humility, and once again, humility. The second virtue, purity. The third virtue, love of God. As my daughter, you must especially radiate with these virtues. So we need to imitate and practice these virtues. St. Faustina draws out that Mary is my guide. She is my teacher, and so she's teaching us humility, her humble service as she goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth. She's teaching us purity, not only in body and mind and soul, but purity in our own intentions. She's teaching us love of God because she wanted to give her life completely to God out of love. And so... There are so many different ways that Mary can, in fact, teach us. And that's why Marian devotion, I think, is so important. And that's why Faustina and all the great saints of our Catholic tradition have focused uh, a little bit in their own spirituality on Mary, meditating on her, asking her prayers and intercession. They teach us how to love Mary. That's really what the saints do. And that's why we read their writings and how they can help us unpack all of that. Right, and also, Father, Faustina refers to Our Lady's mantle as a refuge of mercy. Um, Mary serves as a reflection of God, and and, and as our mother, um, she's a shield because God gives his protection through her. So she ta- she speaks of her as her shield and her, and her, um, her defense. Um, Faustina, of course, as you know, Father, one of my favorite, favorite prayers, it is, is my number one favorite prayer, Alongside the Mass is the Rosary. Um, Faustina treasured the Rosary, um, and she prayed it while she, she actually prayed it while she was walking through the cemetery for the souls of purgatory. She prayed it while she was working in the garden because she knew its power, Father, and its grace, as well as its special protection, especially for the dying and the holy souls in purgatory. In fact, Father, I tried to do this once, and I, I didn't. I'll attempt to do it again, but in her diary, when she uh, was preparing for the Feast of the Immaculate Conception, she, pre- she prepared through a novena and the common prayers of the community, but she made a personal effort, Father, to salute her a thousand times each day, saying a thousand Hail Marys for nine days in her praise. Um, that really moved me. Um, and she did it about three times in her life, and Two of them, she said that when she was doing it throughout the course of the day, um, and she said she didn't, she still could do it even without having to skip any particular task that she was responsible for. Um, so that's something to think about. Um, we even cover that in the in the book about these thousand Hail Marys, and we do say, you know, it may not be a thousand for you. It may just be saying, you know, the memorari for for nine days. Um, but it's just the point that she was honoring and praising her, and um, it, it, it's a very effective way. Uh, the rosary is a very effective way to release the holy, holy souls of purgatory, as you know. Why? Because of the indulgences that that's attached to the rosary. I, I love this quote that uh, St. Gertrude uh, uh, ta- talked about in terms of the power of Mary. She said, I saw the heart of the Virgin Mother so bathed by rivers of grace, 
flowing out from the Blessed Trinity that I understood the privilege Mary has of being the most powerful after God the Father, the wisest after God the Son, and the most benign after God the Holy Spirit. Beautiful. The saints have so many powerful quotes about the Blessed Mother, about Jesus, about all these different devotions that we have. I'm sure you've read the Divine Mercy Diary now many times uh, in order to write all these different (laughs) books. And there's a great richness in the diary. Of course, a lot of it contains the very words of Jesus himself as he comes and appears to Faustina and gives these messages and so forth. But do you think, I know there's a movement among some people, that St. Faustina should be a doctor of the church, much like St. Therese of Lisieux or St. Teresa of Avila or all the other women doctors of the church, that maybe she should be designated with that title? What What do you think of that? Do you think that should oh, happen? Yes, absolutely. In fact, it's in, it's in process, Father. They oh, are wonderful. petitioning. Yeah, they're petitioning Rome, uh, you know, to give her about how many... Uh, how many are there, Father? I think 33, 34 doctors of the church is not very many. And yes, I think it's 35 or 36 another... now. Yeah, right. And, and so I'm, I'm just thrilled and honored that, that you know, I had this privilege to write for a future doctor of the church. And the writings now are available for us today in our generation and for future generations to break it down and say, this is how she lived, um, just like the little flower. You know, um, those those themes, though, I, I know are real important. And one of them, Father, we talked about practicing silence, and we should do that throughout the day. You know, Holy Week is coming up, Father. Um, and as I said, we need to call on Jesus for help during the conversation. She said there's much need of divine light at times like this in order to speak with profit for your soul and their soul. And as I said, every word will be weighed on the Day of Judgment. So, um, our Lord did instruct her to pray short and indulge prayers for the Holy Souls instead of talking so much. Yes, and those are the great promises that we see from Jesus and the floodgate of divine mercy with uh, the Holy Souls, especially, too, on Divine Mercy Sunday. Yes. You know, Father, you you, you just triggered a thought. Um, I got a call from uh, one of the Marian priests at the, at the shrine, and he said to me, there are specific promises that Faustina recorded that Jesus made to her not only to her father, but to those who would pray to promote and trust in divine mercy. And he said that they're rarely printed, and would I print them in this book? So now we have, Father, the divine mercy promises in the appendix of the book that were to a surprise. I was very surprised. There was quite a few um, the things, the promises that he made. So they're available in the book that they're rarely available in print. And also, there are also promises, Father those that pray the chaplet of divine mercy and i have to comment about that you know um that was just driven home over and over again because one of the key themes in the diary that that was a surprise to me father was how it was so critical and so important to pray for the dying our lord appeared to her and said pray as much as you can for the dying um the guardian angel appeared to her and she and said to her pray for the dying she would get, you know, interlocutions to pray the chaplet, she said, which is, quote, very important for the dying. That's in the diary, 1565. And there was a time when she had asthma early on, and she almost died early on. And um, she that's what drew her to praying for the dying, because she saw the um, people in, in, in the hospital that were dying in different ways. And our Lord wanted her to go to their bedside and pray the chaplet. There was a time when she was praying the litany, and during that, when she started the litany, a voice told her to stop and pray the chaplet. The chaplet is extremely important for the dying. Then she began to pray for her own death, Father. And she said that she prayed the deep profundus prayer, which is Psalm 130, which is actually the official prayer of the church for the souls in purgatory. And she said, I, I prayed the prayers for the dying. And I noticed in the, throughout the book, she and the nuns kept talking about, and then we prayed the we prayed the chaplet, and then we prayed the prayers for the dying. But nowhere was there any description or examples of that. But I did, so I was kind of disappointed. However, um, uh, I was asked by my publisher to write a book that explained how I helped my mother through her death. Uh, they wanted to know what I did. And so we came out with a book called Prayers, Promises, and Devotions for the Souls in Purgatory. And in that book, Father, 
are the official prayers of the church for the dying, and we added for the sick and the suffering, because the sick and the suffering and the dying were Faustina's favorites, and they are still her favorites. She still intercedes for, for them and for us uh, to this day, as you know. And so we have that book um, for people that need, I mean, I've used it myself, Father, in, in two, two family members that have died. We also included the apostolic pardon. Jeanette Bankovic, Father, her first husband was dying. She used that book at his bedside, and Father Sylvia, who was at that time her, her co-host, said that they wore the pages out. So we do have a book for the sick, suffering, and dying, and the apostolic pardon. It's a great supplement. It's called Prayers, Promises, and Devotions for the Holy Souls. But um, I can't tell you how much she stressed over and over again to pray for the dying and to pray for your own death as well. And, you know, uh, what do you do? You pray for the grace to die in the, in the state of grace, not in the state of Wisconsin or the, or the state of Illinois, but in the state of grace. What does that look like? No mortal sin, obeying the commandments, doing God's will, practicing the Beatitudes and the corporal spiritual works of mercy, monthly confession, holy communion, first Fridays, first Saturdays. There's this plethora of grace in, in, you know, to, for us to help us, you know, to, 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 to die, to live and die a happy and holy death. It's all there for us. Definitely, and all of those prayers um, are, are very efficacious for the dying. And, and Faustina says that pray the Divine Mercy Chaplet at the bedside of people who are dying. And I know of family member, I know of friends who have done that. That they've gathered at the bedside of their loved one. They've prayed the Divine Mercy. They've prayed some of these other prayers that you're referencing, and that really gives them a sense of comfort and peace. But we also know that the prayers do something, that they help the person who's in the process of dying. So it brings them comfort in that moment too. Exactly, Father. You're giving them the graces that they may need at that hour. Now, in the book, in the day-by-day, there is a passage where she talks about that she was unable to be at the bedside of her uncle. Um, And the fact of the matter is, and she says, distance didn't mean anything there. So if you're, if you're, you know, uh, in another state and somebody in your family is dying, you can pray the chaplet right where you're at and it will still, you know, have a major impact on that soul. Father, we, my, my mom was in another state when, when she was dying and my sister would call me. And one, one evening we decided, you know, to say the chaplet together while she was, you know, she was at, she was at, on our deathbed. Father, we said it, and there was a pause. My sister stopped saying the chaplet, and I got really worried. I thought, we lost her. And I kept calling her name, my sister, Claudia. Claudia, are you there? And she, she came back, and she said, she was out of breath. She goes, the room, the room, it's filled with incense, which obviously is the presence of God. And he did promise that he would be there, you know, uh, at, the, at the hour of your death as the, you know, as the merciful savior. And so, so, you know, and I was on the other end, you know, 3000 miles away. Uh, so you don't have to be there, but, but again, it's just, I, it really hit home how she said how very important it is to pray the chaplet and pray it every day. Well, great. It's been so wonderful to talk about St. Faustina and divine mercy with you. One of the things that I like to do with the guests that I have is to build their Marian profile, just to ask a series of questions, and you can answer pretty mm. quickly if you want, but um, just to respond and to help people realize uh, the different ways of how they can love Mary, the different titles, devotions, etc., and maybe the difference that Mary has made in your own life. And so the very first question is a favorite title of Mary that maybe is from throughout your life or maybe a title that you are invoking right now in your prayer. You know, it's funny. Um, every day I, I just call on her Blessed Mother or I call her Mom, Blessed Mother Mom. Um, and then alongside that would be Our Lady Queen of Peace. Sure. And uh, as we talk about Divine Mercy, I uh, can't help but think, as you mentioned already, Mother of Mercy, and we say that title of Mary, too, uh, every time we pray the Hail Holy Queen. So at the end of the rosary, Hail Holy Queen, Mother of Mercy, and always invoking that title. Is there a Marian sacramental that you wear, like a miraculous medal, scapular, or anything like that? All the above, Father. I wear the, the, the miraculous medal. Uh, which, uh, in fact, I, out of my research, Father, there are three most powerful medals of the Church in this order. The scapular, and, and now they have the scapular 
with the St. Benedict uh, the Jubilee Medal attached with it, with the Actresses and Blessing. And then the Miraculous Medal is the is next most powerful. And then um, the Scapular Miraculous and the Benedict, as I said, uh, Jubilee Medal with the Exorcism Blessing on it. Um, so I wear I wear those. You are covered. How about a... Yes, you have to be covered. You're covered with her mantle. Her, Definitely. You know, she defends you with her mantle. Uh, a favorite Marian prayer. Yes, it would be the Memorari. Um, you know, I have said that many, many times. It just kicks in. I remember one time I was on the air, uh, airplane coming home from um, from, a, uh, from a pilgrimage, and I got, no, going to, going to, I got very, very sick. Um, I don't know what it was. And, and there, there was still about an hour before we landed, and I just prayed it over and over and over again um, for her to intercede because I didn't think I was going to – I was afraid I was going to have to go back home. And the moment the plane landed, whatever it was, it stopped. Um, but I always – the memorari just seems to kick in automatically. It's one of my favorites. Mother Teresa talked to – I think Bernard of Clairvaux wrote that, Father, right? Uh, well, St. Bernard of Cluny often misattributed to Bernard of Clairvaux. So there was another St. Bernard that authored the memorari prayer. And, okay. And, uh, you know, Mother Teresa, St. Teresa of Calcutta, always would talk about her emergency novena of the memorari. Oh, so yes. a favorite prayer of many saints and many people. A lot of people find it difficult to pray the rosary. They struggle with it. They might find it monotonous or um, something along those lines. Is there any tip that you have that has helped you pray the rosary better? Father, it, you pray from your heart. That's what I do. I've been praying the rosary. I think I... I I started praying the rosary. Um, we prayed it when my mom we had the uh, Pilgrim Virgin, of course, and those days we prayed during May crowning. But right when I was about 17 or 18, I saw, you know, we had rosaries in the house. My mother would pray it. Um, and I just picked it up, and I, I just feel it was it's, it was, it's Father, uh, it was Pope John, St. John Paul's favorite rosary, is a favorite devotion. It was, uh, it's Pope Benedict's favorite devotion. I think um, Our Lady of Knots is uh, Pope Francis, but I know he prays the rosary, too. But I just pick it up and pray for my heart. I, I, I don't worry. In fact, I wrote a book, um, uh, the, uh, the Rosary for the Holy Souls in Purgatory. And it says, you know, just pray from your heart. Just speak to her. I don't worry if I get distracted. I don't worry. I, I could go through rosary. Maybe I gave one the best Hail Mary. But she's a mother. She knows. She sees our effort, and we try. Um, it, it's just to me like having a conversation with her. Hail Mary, uh, full of grace, and I just feel it from my heart. And I, I, I never get bored praying that rosary. I, I don't know. Maybe because I just see her as a mother and as a friend and um, and as a girlfriend, if you will. And it's just like holding her hand. I'm holding her hand, and she's holding mine. And I'm just praying for my family, for my loved ones, for people that ask me to pray for. It's the most powerful Marian prayer on earth alongside the Mass. In fact, you know, Father, that they called the, um, the uh, during the Protestant revolt, um, they called the rosary the dry Mass. When the, the, the priest was unable to, um, uh, to say the Mass, he would send, he would send uh, uh, people uh, back to their homes. It was, uh, it was during the Protestant um, revolt in, in the 10th century. Um, there was a prayer service, and the priest would do the offertory and the canon and hold. Well, no, I take that back. The offertory, the canon, and the Holy Communion were omitted. Um, but the, but he but he advised everyone to go home and say the Rosary. Um, uh, you know, at, at home, and as a result, the Rosary became known as the Dry Mass. Hmm. But you know, as John Paul says, it, it, it echoes the rhythm of our life on Earth and 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 after. You know, and and the afterlife. It's uh, I just can't say enough about it. She's the queen of the rosary, and she's the mother of us all, and she intercedes for us. And at every apparition that's approved, she what does she point to? What's on her arm? The rosary. How about a favorite Marian Bible passage? Um, there's, I think that was just comes it would be the Annunciation. Uh, be it done unto me according to thy word. She gave her yes. How about a favorite Marian apparition? Oh, all of them. Is there a Marian book that you've read that made an impact on you? Reading about Lourdes, Fatima, um, uh, um, uh, Our Lady Guadalupe, uh, her her shrines. Reading okay. about her shrines um, and and her love for us, and 
the experiences of of the visionaries and that made that made an impact going there you know i read about them and then going there just just there's no words to explain it um but it would be reading about the shrines of her of where she appeared speaking of marian shrines beside a, a shrine of marian apparition like fatima or lourdes or any of those there are other marian shrines of particular devotion to a title or something along those lines is there a marian shrine that has made an impression on you well um you know, again, I've been to I've been to um, Guadalupe, I've been to um, Lourdes, and I've been to Fatima, and and it's they all in, they all have the message of that how much she loves us, how much God loves us, and to pray, pray, pray. Um, that's the key to our salvation. Mass, confession, rosary, they all in different ways. Uh, she appears in different ways, and all of them are equal to me. I I love every one of them. They um, they just have uh, a major, she has a major impact on my life. I she's been part of my life since I was seven, uh, and she leads me till this very day. I I wouldn't know what I would do without her. She's our mother, and uh, that's why she comes to intercede and to get us on track, uh, get us on track to lead us to her son. She she points the way. Do you know, Father? One of my favorite. There is a favorite star of the sea. They call her Star of the Sea. And I did some research about why they do that. There's a fixed star called Polaris, a north star, that navigators use. And, and, and that's why she's called Star of the Sea. The Holy Souls call her Star of the Sea because um, there's, it, she's fixed and points us directly to her son. So that's one of my favorites, Star of the Sea. Well, it's been a delight to speak with you, Susan, about St. Faustina, about Divine Mercy, and now about the Blessed Mother and your own devotion to Mary. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you, Father. I love it. I love your interview. It's very unique, very different, and I love the Marian questions. I Very creative, Father. You, you've got a creative mind, and you're a young priest, and um, you're going you're gonna to continue to do great things for, for our Lord and his mother. Well, you're very kind. Well, thanks again. Thanks so much. A special thanks to Anna Nuzo for the music that she has provided for the podcast. You've been listening to the podcast, How They Love Mary. I hope it has either been the beginning or the deepening of your love for the Blessed Mother. You can follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at FR Edward Looney, F-R Edward L-O-O-N-E-Y. You can subscribe to this podcast now on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave a review so that others can come to know more about this podcast as well. Until next time, let us remain united in prayer to Jesus through Mary. God bless.